What's up guys, Mike Lewis here, and welcome to the Mike Lewis Podcast. If you guys want to keep up with me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at MikeLewisOfficial, and you can follow me on Twitter at MikeLew52, it's where most of my updates come. If you're enjoying my content, give me a like and a subscribe, and without further ado, let's just dive right into this episode. Okay, folks, and welcome back to another episode. And if you're looking on your screen, we got ourselves a treat, or I might have myself a treat today with today's guest, <laughs> depending on how it goes. But um, please okay, welcome. You might recognize him from Zoe 101, where he played Mark Del Figolo, Mr. Jack Salvador. How are you doing today? What up? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mike? Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. I mean, no problem. Uh, I'm doing okay. Can't complain. Things are... Uh, a little more situated than they once were a year ago, over where I'm living in, at least. Um, how has the adjustment been for you with, like, all the craziness in the world, if you don't mind? Yeah, um, it's been a weird year, for sure. But um, we've had a lot of time for introspection and kind of self-growth, which has been pretty cool. I, uh, I got married in November to my lovely wife, Christine. So that's, that's a big deal. Take it. And uh, we, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just sort of like, we were cloistered off in our apartment for a long time. And it's a 640 square foot apartment. So that's tight. And we have two cats. So uh, we just sort of, once we, there's only so much Call of Duty you can play in <laughs> a couple months. And once I burned through that, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll move over to my PC games for a little bit. And then there was only, like, so much Overwatch I could play before that got old. So uh, then I was like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So that's, uh, you know, <laughs> that was, was kind of a natural segue to uh, just sort of, like, thinking about um, mindfulness and and uh, uh, nutrition and stuff like that. My wife's really big on uh, uh, anti-inflammation diet structure um and like you know that's sort of a mix of like keto and and paleo and gluten-free and like just sort of like mitigating unhealthy ingredients and uh we did a lot of learning on that i had a bit of a my dad had a bit of a health scare in june of last year but he pulled through and he's doing okay um but that was a little tough for a minute i had to go back and live with my parents to take care of him for uh, three or four weeks and um you know, in that time, it was sort of like, I think that combined with everything else that was going on was just like, I, I really want to like reshift my priorities and figure out what I want to do with my life. And um, I was working in post-production as a supervisor, a post-production supervisor on a show called Foundation for Apple TV+. Um, and I'd been in post for, I want to say like seven or eight years. Uh, I'd started as like a writer's assistant and then that well sort of ran dry. So I, I picked up post to cover the gap and pay rent and stuff but I was just I wasn't really happy uh it's a lot of like number crunching and calendar stuff and it's kind of like it's the most corporate version of any sort of like avenue you can explore in the in the uh entertainment industry so I you know I felt like I had kind of learned enough from it and uh, I actually left that job in April which was a really big deal for me because I've never quit anything in my life and uh I started I picked up uh, a new uh, job, ghostwriting memoirs, and uh, now I got a whole a whole new company. I got I got I got incorporated. I'm an LLC now. I'm a limited liability corporation. 
I have I have a website called floor2.com that or excuse me floor2llc.com that is uh, it's basically like anything that you need copy for anywhere like if you need a biography or like I've done scripts for like corporate explainer videos and stuff like that I've got a couple of um, different uh, uh, irons in the fire with regards to like a couple of different smaller production companies that are like we have a great idea but we don't have a writer to screenwrite it so uh, yeah I've been doing that and then that sort of allowed me the freedom to to pick up this road trip that we're going to be on for the next two months and um, it's been it was it was definitely rough but I think in a way I'm sort of glad that it gave me time to like sit in my own head in the 640 square foot apartment with nothing else to do and be like, am I happy? <laughs> am I doing what I want to do? And, uh, and I guess when you're, when you're most uncomfortable is, is when good change starts to happen. So how about you, man? I mean, if we're taking it back a ways to the beginning of this, at least I, oh, and I've been saying this and I firmly believe this. If the pandemic never happened, I'm not so certain that my, you know, show would have happened. So that much so, I'm grateful for. Um, and you don't obviously, like, wish for this to happen, but I feel like in some sick, twisted way this was needed, you know, um, to really just, like, kind of pump the brakes for a lot of people and just to, like, you know, settle them down and allow them to just, like, really think to themselves and be like, what do I want to do? Like, where do I want to go? And if we never had this, I feel like maybe a lot of people may have taken uh, some things for uh, granted that we, you know, had in our prior lives. Yeah, true that. I mean, it's crazy to me how much you're seeing all this stuff reflected of like, okay, so we've sort of proven because we had to that most jobs can be can function remotely. And now that you've got this uptick and people trying to get their employees to go back. Nobody wants to do it because it's like, well, I like proved that I could do my job effectively from home. And now like, why? Other than to be like puppy dogged and, you know, sort of like uh, monitored when I'm at the office. And I mean, that was, that was definitely a huge part of my decision too. It was like, I know it's just a matter of time before they want me to go back in. And then I'm like going to be burning gas money and travel time and all sorts of stuff. But, um, but I'm really glad you got your podcast off the ground, man. It's a lot of fun. I was yeah. gonna. How hard was it to find a microphone? Because I heard like at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was like, "Oh my god, I need to do podcast. Or I need to like, I need to start a thing or make a cartoon or like." And I heard microphones were really hard to come by. Honestly, it probably. I only started incorporating the mic, I'd say, in maybe April. I was like functioning pretty much off of. Um, going with, like, the whole uh, wireless earbud route for, like, the time being. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going <laughs> to – I came to my senses, and I was like, it's time. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, it. If you ever need any uh, recommendations for soundproofing foam, there's a place near uh, uh, my apartment called Foam Mart that has all sorts of sound dampening foam. I don't know why I'm plugging Foam Mart. I've gone there once in my life. But if you need a suggestion – I've hooked up my dad before because he does uh, like voice recording stuff every now and again. He's a radio journalist, so he does um, like every now and again. He'll do auditions for like commercial ads and stuff like that. So I'm really well connected in the foam world, is what I'm trying to say, Mike. I don't mean to like drop. I don't mean to name drop, but if you need a connection with Foam Mart, I I know their phone number. Maybe just let me throw a ticker up there with your face and just says Phone Market guy. <laughs> 
That's it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so obviously the entertainment industry is probably like one of the more, um, you know, industries that got like hit really hard once this whole thing first started. Like when you weren't still like, you know, acting or were you still acting? Like when did you step away from uh, acting, would you say? Yeah, I stepped away around when I was starting college. So Zoe wrapped up when I was towards the end of high school. And I had done a couple of, uh, I was on a show called uh, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. ABC had rebooted that for a couple seasons. It was a very funny show. Uh, and I got lucky with that. I had a, kind of a similar story with that where I was like uh, a one day, one scene character that they were like, let's keep bringing him back to like round out this world. And uh, so, yeah, it was sort of, I was still acting probably into like, just before my freshman year in college. And I, um, I, I kind of decided that I sort of wanted to go the more like social traditional route because acting was a lot of fun, but it also sort of isolated me from a lot of my mm, peers growing up. You know, it was like, I couldn't do like in elementary school, I couldn't do like, I remember I wanted to be on the flag football team. And I tried a couple times before I had like auditions and the coach was like, yeah, no, you're not. We can't accommodate this. Or like, you know, even in high school, I wanted to do um, uh, uh, um, like a stage play that was, like, oh, this will be fun. I'll get to know some of the guys in my class. And, and that I had like gone through. I was this one part. Uh, uh, God, what was it? I think it was. I forget what the what the play was. Stalag 17. Anyway, uh, but like I'd gone through the whole rehearsal process and then uh, the Zoe crew let me know that like, oh, we want you to be in the finale and you're going to be in like a couple episodes. So I had to bail on it. And that that felt really bad because I was like, oh, geez, I'm letting my friends down. But then also, um, you know, it's like it's a professional paying role. So like that's that's cool, too. You know, it's life is all about choices, Mike. Anyway, um, so the uh, but yeah, I had sort of stepped away. Uh, prior to college, and um, I had shifted gears. I, I got a degree in screenwriting. So I went to USC's School of Cinematic Arts, and I got uh, an undergrad BFA in writing for screen and television. And um, after that, I had gone and I worked for uh, Schneider's Bakery. As I'd actually interned with them while I was still in college for iCarly. And then I went to uh, uh, work in their writer's room as a writer's PA slash kind of like unofficial writer's assistant uh, for, what was it, the first and second seasons of Victorious. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds, that sounds like a little bit of a double-edged sword then, you know, still uh, being in that kind of like a, I'll be honest, like Zoe 101, I mean, at the, the height of it was like a really popular show. Um, so, I mean, that's a little bit of a double-edged sword for you. I mean, you're, uh, kind of living the dream in a way at like a young age, but at the same time, it's kind of like, um, isolating you a little bit from, uh, social interactions, maybe like, you know, being on the football team and you mentioned about the play as well. Was, um, was it ideal for you or was it like a little bit, uh, stuck in a rock in a hard place a little bit? Uh, are we doing the VH1? If I had to do it all over again, would I do it the same way? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it, like, for whatever pros and cons you want to weigh about it, it definitely, like, it It taught me how to function as an adult employee in an adult world a lot sooner. And I think that really helped me sort of, like, it gave me an edge in terms of, like, you know, it's funny, we were, <laughs> we were like, we were, uh, 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 
when we were driving from Utah to Colorado the other day, we stopped at like a bagel place on the road and it had, there were like, I don't know why it was probably just cause college graduations just started happening, but there were like, there was like a girl spilling out her start paperwork and there was like another one just learning how to run the cash register. And I was like, and it was funny. They were, you know, they were, they were very lovely, but it was like, it, you could tell when it's like when somebody's first starting a job for the first time and like, you know, Oh geez, the screen is, Oh no, did I hit the bagel right? Did I do that? And like, I just remembered sort of like, I, I still had all those fears when I got my first job, but it was like, I was at least able to like sort of couch it in like more of a coolness of like, yeah, 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 no, I can do that thing you're asking me to do that I have no idea what you're asking me to do. And like, then I'd go and I'd sil- silently panic in another room and figure it out. And then like, you know, I made all the same dumb mistakes that anyone does when they're first starting a job. But yeah, I think um, it definitely helped me um, just in terms of like, I don't know, it, it really sparked a passion too in terms of, of like when I went back and worked for Schneider's Bakery, it was cool because a lot of the people that were the crew on the Zoe 101 set were the same when I was working at iCarly and, and Victorious. And, uh, oh, and Sam and Cat. I forgot about that. Sorry. Um, and the, uh, so it was like, it's sort of, in a way, it was like, like you're saying, it's the double-edged sword of like, yes, it was a little bit more isolated from my classmates in high school. But then also like, I had this family that I kept coming back to in this crew. And that was like, that, that sort of sparked in me like the, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I want to be around this element and I want to like, you know, just sort of be with a family who's like, I feel like any any good uh, piece of television or, or filmmaking uh, is always centered around collaboration and is always centered around like trusting people who are good at what they do to take it and run with it to the finish line, you know? And I've seen a lot of, you know, I've worked on a lot of different sets where it's like, oh, the director's the guy, don't talk to him, don't give any opinions. And like, I've seen other ones where it's like, what do you think the line should be? So it's, um, and it was cool because it was just sort of this, like, this mix of, like, um, seeing seeing people doing what they do and doing it well and then being trusted to, like, you know, run it without being micromanaged. That's, I think that was sort of the, the like, the passion spark for me. It was like, oh, man, this is, this is cool. This is family. This is, like, and this is, this is one of those, you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life kind of things. So, so yes, yeah. all over again. Yeah, absolutely. The whole family thing. I mean, me and Matt Underwood and our one that we did, like, kind of touched upon that. That's why he said that, like, magic was, like, made on that set. Like, you know, you guys um, were so close as, like, a unit that, like, that's why the performance and what we saw on our screens was, like, so perfect and so, you know, well written out is because, like, you guys genuinely cared for each other and, like, you didn't need to, like, you know, fake that. And, like, we'll definitely bookmark that and come back to that, I'm sure. But uh, now I want to kind of ask you to, like, gloss through, uh, you know, your casting story and process, if you will, for Zoe 101. Oh, you got it. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was at Pepperdine. I remember that much. And um, I, I'm pretty sure I only had, like, two, two or three lines, which is always funny when you're going into an audition and you're, like, prepping the whole day for, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to backtrack it to what there was this one I forget I think it was a show called Strong Medicine that I was like I was way too young to be auditioning for it but like the, the role was like you're a burn victim and 
the doctor is coming to you and talking to you about something. And my line was like, home, wanna home. <laughs> like, that was it. And like my mom, I had to run that with my mom <laughs> with the lines. And then I got to the casting area and like, I, I, uh, uh, I remember the casting lady came out and she just looked like she was so like disappointed with having to be there for the day. And I, I turned to my mom and I was like, it's okay. Just real quick. It's, it's home. Want a home. Right. And she looked at me like I had just basically like shot myself in the foot with this part. And like, anyway, uh, I did not end up getting that part, but it's okay. Cause I would have been under 400 band piles of bandages and, and stuff like that. Anyway. So Zoe 101 was, uh, it was cool. It was, um, uh, again, it was one of those where it was like, I'm pretty sure my only line was like El Elefante es grande. So I go in and I like, I totally rocked that. <laughs> and uh, they, they brought me back a second time for a callback. And um, it was fun because it was sort of just like, it was very surreal when I walked on a set for the first time because the um, uh, uh, it was just like a party. It was like outside at this picnic area and there were like a bunch of, you know, background artists just like playing disc golf and like, oh, we're doing ribbon dancing and like frisbees and all sorts of cool stuff that was just like oh this is this is fun i like this vibe and then i i had my my scene with uh paul butcher was the the first first person i got to act opposite of in my zoe journey and it was a lot of fun because you know he's he's definitely he gets amped and um uh we were doing the el elefante es grande bit i guess my story is more like it's not like a casting story as much as it's like after dan saw that we were having fun and there was chemistry or whatever. He came over and started like just throwing lines at both of us and was like, all right, let's, let's go and let's make the scene a little longer. Cause this is funny. Let's make it work. Like, okay, you're doing this. And like, what was it? He was like, okay, I want you to stand up and walk away and scream. I want my quattro dollars back. And like, you know, it was just, it was cool. Cause then th those are sort of like the lottery winners of acting gigs where you're like, all right, I'll go, I'll do a one day gig and sure. And then when somebody, you know, find some sort of resonance in whatever you're doing it's a it's a good feeling to be like okay cool i'm doing a good job but all right great and then um a couple weeks later they were like hey we want to pull you back to do this other part how do you feel about doing this and and like that just ended up making me uh uh quinn's boyfriend for the run of the show which is uh, it was pretty cool so yeah that's, that's nuts because i thought that i saw that as well like i think you started out as like just kind of like a background-ish type character and then like to just quickly just get thrust in whoa mike not background my wife thought the same thing when i told her she was like okay you're an extra on zoe 101 and i was like no man look background artists i respect them lines i had lines i had to work for that so i know it was a background deal it was definitely a uh it was like one line. What do they call that? They call that like a day player. Okay. Well, you got thrust in as like, you know, Quinn Penske's, uh, you know, boyfriend, just like seemingly like, you know, that quick. And then, uh, you know, we saw it kind of play out. And I'm curious. I was going to ask you this as well because I was going to ask, um, did the Mark Del Figolo role, like, cater to like maybe your acting strengths because from looking at your instagram and your tiktok videos it's almost like night and day with like the personalities here you are on screen playing like kind of like you know an expressionless you know goofball in a way in the sense of like all these like you know inadvertent pranks happen to him it seems like he's always in like the center of like you know bad stuff happening to him at times 
and then like to see your TikToks, like you're, you're like a pretty like you know funny outgoing guy. Like did that like you know? Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Did, did the Mark Del Figolo role was that something you know that catered to your strengths, or would you have rather you know kind of play out like kind of what we see in your uh, TikToks? It sort of vacillated between like not a whole lot of effort, and then also like some days it was hard, especially when it was like when you had to keep a straight face in light of all the goofy stuff happening to you. Like I think uh, the uh, one of the first bigger episodes I was in was was uh, Quinn's date. And that was the one where, like, Sean is uh, a chase, excuse me, is, uh, uh, you know, like, convincing me to go on a picnic with him because it's a double date. And, you know, I just remember, like, uh, I like I could not keep a straight face when he was, like, when he had to come back in a frame and be like, there's salami. And then, like, I just had to sit there and be like, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was hard to do. Because it was when you have a camera in front of you and... Everybody else cracking up off off screen. It was uh, it was tough, but yeah, I um, I like to think that Mark is a mood, and he's definitely like he's a place that a lot of people draw from when like you don't want to deal with that customer that's giving you crap across the cash register, or like your mom just asked you to do something that like you don't want to do, or like I'm sitting in traffic again, again. So like I yeah, it's it's it was hard. De- it was definitely like some days it took, depending on, on what the workload was in terms of lines and what I had to memorize. It was definitely like, it was, it was a challenge for sure. Cause straight man is not, uh, it's not always the easiest, but, um, yeah, I was debating whether or not I should just like come on this thing and just be like, Hey Mike, how are you doing? <laughs> day in Breckenridge, Colorado. I saw a bird. I'm allergic to birds. How are you, Mike? <laughs> Would you say you were uh, different off-camera, like, at that time in your life? Yeah, I was very different off-camera. I um, I was going through some stuff. I can't, I can't, I can't. All right, anyway. Yeah, as you can see, I got I to gotta work back up to it. Uh, yeah, man, I was definitely very, like, uh, um, I was probably a little more like Quinn than I'd like to admit in my, like, personal life, where I was just, like, and like putting myself out there and like oh don't don't pluck my pedals and like you know that kind of thing of like i'm just i'm having a great time and uh yeah so and and i think uh that that i don't know it was is I, I don't really think about it too much in terms of like i had to turn on a switch to like i wasn't i wasn't daniel day lewis about it i will say that i did not go full method like this is Mark Del Figolo and this is who he's been and this is his story up until now. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty easy to kind of like switch on and off. Cause it was, there's a lot of fun on that set where like between, cause it was like a college and, and when it wasn't a college, it was, they switched it over to a biomedical facility. And like, you basically were just like, we had full run of everything in the, in between takes. And like when we were done with school for the day, it was just like, okay, go hang out somewhere. So like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I have a lot of fond memories of. Uh, I would play guitar with Sean on set, and um, yeah, just kind of like hanging out in the Valencia slash Santa Clarita area was. Uh, it was cool. What was that campus like? Because I talked about it. Obviously, I'm sure you saw in my other episode that I did. What was it, like your personal like? Let's just say maybe coming into it, and then after the fact, like looking back on like how nice the place was. Um, uh, what was your uh, 
take on the whole campus. Yeah, uh, Pepperdine University is is gorgeous. It's definitely unique as far as college experiences go. It it is uh, it's right up on a cliff that like overlooks Malibu, which is awesome. Um, not a lot of colleges in the world like that. So it's it's uh, it's also for anyone who's who's thinking about going, but like has a party edge to them. It is a dry school, so don't uh, don't get too excited about like a party lifestyle if you're going to go there because they they frown upon that kind of thing. But that said, I think they like overcompensated because there wasn't drinking to do that. They're like, oh, we need to put up all these cool activities and like, oh, here's a volleyball court and oh, here's a sick food court. And uh, it was great. I mean, the, that whole like I'm really impressed with the production design team for for the later seasons because they fully just recreated that whole place with you know, wood and stucco. <laughs> like they took the whole look of a campus in Malibu and like shifted it to Valencia. And it was just insane how they did that down to like the concrete paths and the, and the way the buildings were shaped and the like glass of the windows. And um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was beautiful for sure. But it was also, I do also remember like, uh, I, I never, I was never there on days that like Brittany came to visit Jamie Lynn, but I do remember that because it like backed up onto the Malibu Hills that are fairly like you could hike it. Sometimes there would be like paparazzi that would just like be falling down these sheer, you know, like what, like 20% graded incline dirt cliffs to be like, Brittany, Brittany. And so that was, I mean, I only ever heard about that, but, um, but yeah, it was it was cool and it set the bar very high for what I was to expect in terms of like the college experience or, or even really like a high school experience. What are where did they so they shot this like I would presume like, you know, while classes like weren't in session, maybe like when they were on semester breaks or whatnot, right? Or how did they go about that if there was like an actual, you know, school going on at that place? Yeah, the logistics of it I think were a huge contribution to why they moved to Valencia because uh, it did seem like it was difficult. They found different parts of the campus that weren't in use. And they also, they mostly did it during the summer. So most of my memories of it were like, you know, every now and again, you get like a tour group passing through. But beyond that, they, I mean, it's LA, you know, they're, everybody here is like, has a, a location rental guy on speed dial. That's like, Hey, what's the, what's the thing that we can work to, to get you to film here? So, but I, that said, I do think that like, it's not lost on me that they did two seasons there and we're like, eh, this is too much of a pain. Let's move. <laughs> we won't be hounded by students. And then I think, you know, once the popularity of it started kicking in, then you like open yourselves up to looky loos and all sorts of people trying to like mug on camera and, and stuff like that. So, um, plus I have to imagine that it was not cheap to do it there. Like to, they were not, Definitely not. They were renting out, like, you know, that whole, um, that, like, fountain area that they have that's pretty pre prevalent in the in the show. That's, like, their main courtyard area. That's right by the, the like, cafeteria overlook spot. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, they weren't just going to little remote pockets. They would have, they would do, um, they would go into some buildings and they would sort of, like, you know, we'd shoot out everything. For, excuse me, they would shoot out everything. I was not part of the crew. I was an actor. I was in air conditioning most of the time. They would go in and they would shoot out 
you know, one room and then they just switch over the whole furniture scheme and make it look like a different room. And, um, and then, you know, they, I think they got maybe like two or three dorms and they, um, did the same thing there where it's like different bed setup, different like posters on the wall and stuff like that. And then you'd never know that it was a different place. So, right. Very good about being utilitarian and, and making, making it work with what they had. Absolutely. And uh, now I'll kind of tell my own story, too, because it kind of ties into what we just talked about. And then it'll lead into my next question, too. Um, so I'll bring right. it back. Ways. I, um, I'm attending like this uh, college, um, kind of like a college tips thing. It's like an optional uh, thing to attend. You know, you get like uh, credits or whatever if you go, though. And it's on a Friday. So not many, you know, people are going to be going to this thing, you know, on a Friday after classes are finished, you know, besides me, of course, and maybe like the uh, maybe six, seven other people that were there. Um, so I'm just sitting there. And then uh, the whole basis was college tips. And the uh, professor has like a stone cold look. It's a woman. And she's um, just draws on the uh, or maybe it was a projector screen. She like hit the clicker and then it shows like what do you think of when you think of college? So then, like, she pretty much just, like, asks everybody. And then, like, nobody's, like, wants any part of this question whatsoever. And then I'm just, like, I'm, like, I don't know. So I just raised my hand, and then uh, I was, like, well, I mean, I honestly think of Zoe 101. And then I'm just, like, expecting, like, an outroar of, like, laughs and, like, her to laugh. And, like, this is going to be a funny icebreaker. And nobody, like, reacts to this. And then she's just, like, well, you know, Zoe 101 was actually a high school and like with a straight face. And then that was it. And I just like fell back and I was just like, what? Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> like, what did I walk into right now? But um, you got a Disney crowd, bro. You hit the Disney. You hit the Disney rhythm. That, that's what I think. That's what I think it was, because like, I'm just like, I think for anybody that sees your show, it's like if you just take a look at the campus, like, or, you know, the premise of the show, I mean, like, it's pretty, you know, not out of the realm of possibility that this is really a college, you know, series, you know what I'm saying? I just love, I just love that, like, that this professor rewarded you for showing up to her sparsely attended thing by just, like, crapping on whatever opinion you had. Like, of course, nobody's going to answer anything Beyond that, like, everyone else is, like, probably too afraid to laugh. <laughs> like, I don't know, am I going to get the credit if I agree? Like, <laughs> it, was, it was, like, a half-joke, half-serious uh, answer. You know, I mean, like, you could pro you, she could probably imagine you'd get, like, some smart asses that come in there and, you know, they want to, like, say whatever. But, like, my in my opinion, I mean, that's what I actually thought of when I coming into college, at least, um, you know, what to expect. But that kind of leads into my next uh, question for you as well is uh, – why do you feel like uh, so many people resonated with the show so much? Yeah, I uh, I saw you ask Matt this question, and I was thinking on my own answer. So uh, I don't think you're too far off in what you're saying. It is like a college. And I think for a lot of people, its resonance was sort of derived from this independence that you get at a way younger age than you would any other time. Like, you're still, if you're going to high school, for the most part, most people's experiences with that are still like you're getting dropped off at some point along the journey. You'll get a car, maybe if you're lucky, and then you're sort of independent for like your, you know, latter half of your high school experience. But beyond that, you're still beholden to you're still in theory living with whoever's raising you. You're still 
under someone's thumb. And I think the the biggest draw of it, at least whatever I was able to extrapolate, was sort of like it's this freedom. It's this freedom to like go off and be yourself. And like, I mean, these kids were what? They're like, you got you got he had Dustin in there who's <laughs> like, what is what is uh it, it, was he like six or seven or I don't know, he probably like eight or nine. Um but yeah, still that, like that's super young to be at a school and to be like, Oh, I got my own dorm, I got my own thing, I got my own room. I always wondered, like, did they have cleaning services that came through and, like, made? <laughs> like, these places were kept immaculately, and I never did that in college when I was older. So I think it's that. And then I think it's, um, you know, I think Dan had his finger on the pulse of, like, to sort of play with that independence vibe. I think any anyone – it's funny. It's You know, it's like, to me, when you see a kid – uh, like a like young babies and stuff, or toddlers, they have like kitchen sets and stuff, right? They have like m- cash register machines and stuff like that that they play with. So I feel like in a way, when you're growing up, you want to like mimic adult behavior that you're seeing, but you don't want all of the like st- you don't really, you don't want to put a BlackBerry in a kid. Man, I just dated myself, but that's the Zoe 101 era. Now can put a BlackBerry in like a 12 year old's hand, and they're gonna be like, oh great, I can really maximize my my time today like you're gonna i think he really had a a vision in terms of like you know it's kind of the george lucas route of like let's market this thing and let's go like oh the pair the the you know the um god i forget what the the thing is called but there you go he had like an iphone equivalent he had the dead x's he had the all the cool like branding for all the different restaurants and stuff like that so i think he really built this like he and his production design team really built this like universe place yeah to want to go off to and and uh you couple that with like kids who were having great chemistry and have a great time and like the the drama of it was still real but then was also like it still felt like it was playing within the confines of a pretty safe place i think all of those things are to me it's like it's like nostalgia you know it's like going a going going back home to a place that you're like familiar with and um and yeah so i those are my reasons that I think it was resonant. Did you have any uh, favorite moments or episodes in particular for yourself that um, you know, you liked maybe even off camera, on camera? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked, uh, so there's this one episode where they have a, a, a dance and the whole premise of it is that people like fill out a questionnaire and then they get paired based on their interests and that's your date for the dance and uh my character because you know mark del figolo is weird and offbeat and into quirky things he was like i'm really into medieval history and so <laughs> uh in keeping with true nickelodeon on the nose tone i showed up to a hawaiian themed dance in full like chainmail armor which was awesome because it was made out of like burlap but it it looked like it was like spray painted or something. I don't know. They got they got all sorts of like super cool costumes from the Universal prop warehouse all the time. Um, but the uh, uh, they cut my whole segment for time because like and also I'm sure they were like this doesn't make sense in the middle of it. So like I'm in this episode for a couple frames in the background of a Hawaiian dance, serving myself punch in full chainmail armor with like no nobody acknowledges it there's no explanation and uh that was awesome because i'm like <laughs> I, I will know the plot, but no one else will and uh and yeah and then um 
I think one of my other earlier uh, uh, scenes was um, uh, was the was the one was the, the one where Quinn is like missing her alpaca at at home and her friends all rallied to get her an aardvark costume because it's the closest thing they could find that started with A and they put me in it to like dance around as an aardvark and be like, don't miss your llama. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I remember it was like, it was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. And I was in this freaking costume that was easily like 150 degrees. And the, the crew was so nice. They set up one of those, um, like they had the full ass, like portable air conditioning unit thing with like, <laughs> big yellow tube that snakes out of it and they just posted me up in front of it i'm sure because they didn't want me to like pass out from heat stroke but they're like here you go man just go ahead and put your head in that tunnel and you'll be fine and it felt so good it like got all in the suit and everything but then i um for that scene i had to fall into a cake like i had to fall face first into a cake and that was fun because i'd never done that before i probably won't do it ever again because uh there was a lot of butter in it and I could definitely tell that on my skin, <laughs> which was really uncomfortable because it was in the middle of July and I was already sweaty. And then I'm like in an aardvark costume with frosting on my face, but it was cool. Cause, cause like, you know, I think it, it appealed to like the, the, um, the part of me that might still have a, a child in me that likes to like, you know, kick over a sandcastle after I built it. <laughs> like, Oh, here's a cool cake smash. And that was, that was fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, surprised yeah. that you didn't uh, bring the whole um, running for president episode with you because that kind of, I'm pretty sure, became a meme for a couple years too. I think if you can search you on Google, the first thing you'll, if you search Mark Del Figolo Zoe 101, you'll just see that shot of you know your face with uh, Mark Del Figolo for president. But um, how was that? Always, did, did you have always, any say? Oh, sorry. My did you have? saying that did uh or is that just like something that dan pitched uh no i mean everything everything that was decided on that show aside from lines and stuff like that was broken either by him in the moment or in the writer's room so it was all scripted but the uh it's funny you bring that up because i do like i try to keep a pretty good behavior record online in case i ever do want to fall back on that for like city council or something if i'm like if I move to a part of the world where I'm like, oh, I don't like the highways here or something like that, I'm definitely going to fall back on the Mark Del Figolo ticket. Um, and yeah, I definitely, what was it? I think it was 2016. There were some people, I mean, that was the year that people were like voting for the gorilla that got shot in the zoo too. And Harambe, right? <laughs> But there were some people that were like, yeah, they sent me pictures in Twitter DMs that were like, yeah, I put Mark Del Figolo on my ticket. And I'm like, please vote for someone, whatever your opinion is. Don't do that. <laughs> Across the bridge when we get there. But yeah, and then there was, uh, uh, for this last election cycle, there was like this this uh, TikTok that went viral. Um, but it's funny because it's in Spanish and I, I don't understand a lot of it. It's very It's very rapid fire Spanish. But the gist of it is like, Marco Figolo should have been president. Here's why. Here's my infographic on why. And like, I tried to reach out to her and be like, oh, that's so cool. Thanks. But uh, she'd already moved on to like 400 other videos at that point. So I, uh, there's always, I feel like there's a little gold mine there to be tapped if and when I want to enter public office. So, so we'll see. I mean, you got a point. I mean, I honestly think that like in some way you might be able to like trademark that. 
and turn it to like I don't know, like put it on a shirt or something. I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, totally. I uh, yeah, I gotta bust out my my Adobe Illustrator and sketch my face and put it on. Yeah, Mark 2024. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I got I to find that TikTok like somehow, some way. Because this is the first. I, actually, I might have heard about it, but this is like the first time like I've like really heard about it. So somehow, some way, we got to get on that. It's out there. It's in the ether. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. Between I don't know. I don't know why Mark Del Figolo has attracted a mixed bag online. And it's like it's either people telling me to run for president or it's people just commenting "daddy" in my post. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm taken to just being like, "Hey, nothing's proven until there's a blood test." <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, I I I adore my fans and all that they bring me, and it's it's wonderful. So. Have you ever been uh, recognized in public post show? Uh, yeah, I have a number of times. I um, and it's funny too. Not even necessarily just from Zoe 101. I was in a movie called Donnie Darko that's got a lot of like cult indie success to it. Um, and I was like, I remember I was at a concert once. It was like a Halloween concert, and I was in a f- like I had makeup on my face. I had all sorts of cra- and some dude was like he like quoted my line back to me from Donnie Darko, which is I'm not anymore and he's like hey i'm not afraid anymore guy and i was like oh hey man how how did you recognize me Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah it's funny because it's like i don't want to assume anything whenever somebody and usually 99 percent of the time it's like you look really familiar what is it and i don't want to be like mark del figolo from zoe 101 is that it because like i don't know maybe it's something maybe i look like their cousin or something you know like i don't want to because then if you you shoot that shot and then they're like no it's not that i never watched that then you're like okay okay <laughs> kind of like your college story right yeah uh, but yeah i've i've definitely had uh a number of people kind of come up and say oh my god i'm a huge fan can i have a picture or sometimes sometimes what it is is like it's that like you're not being as sneaky as you thought you were being. Where like I'll be there's <laughs> there's this one time I was sitting across from uh, uh, two younger girls and their dad at an airport in I think in Louisiana. I was coming back. I have family out there, and um, it was just like a weird journey. And my my fiance at the time, now my wife, had like a stomach flu. And my dad wasn't feeling well. He had just had like some like quasi like not quite uh, bronchitis, but something like that. So like you know we're hobbling back to California, and like this family is just across the way, and these two girls like would not stop staring at me to a point where like every time I like made eye contact, it felt like God, okay. And then I like I like I <laughs> I said to both of them, Hey, do you guys want a picture or something? And their dad turned to me and was like, no, we're all right. Like, as if I was saying, like, do you want me to take a picture of you guys waiting for your plane? <laughs> this, um, and then, uh, as luck would have it, this this girl, I guess it was her younger sister and her dad were, like, seeing her off on her trip to California. This girl sat in our row, like, in the row next to me. I'm on the aisle. My wife is in the middle and is like reeling from a stomach flu. And then this girl on the right is over here. Oh, and my dad is on the other side of the aisle and he was like getting oxygen from the <laughs> from the flight attendant. So like my dad's sort of dying, my wife's sort of dying, and this girl just like sort of like was doing this thing with her phone where she's just like 
<laughs> just I remember being like, can we just talk? Can we just like, did you? I'm glad you were a fan, but like now's not a great time. Can we like? I just, I just I'm sure she got a picture of me just like being like really worried about my dad if he was gonna if they had to stop the plane in Texas and like my wife was like breathing into the freaking bag did not throw oh my god it was um it was a lot of fun and then and then there was one time that i was hanging out with sean uh who played chase in downtown burbank and these two girls approached us and they were like oh my god you got you got you from zoe 101 go can we get a picture and uh we we obliged and then they handed me the camera to take a picture with sean which was <laughs> hilarious and uh uh yeah that was pretty funny um uh, but yeah i um it's funny because a lot of the times I do get a lot of people that reach out to me that were like, uh, hey, I was a little quirky and offbeat and Mark Del Figolo sort of showed me that like, I feel like any portrayal of that kind of character historically in like Disney, Nickelodeon, kids shows like that, they always sort of revolve around this theme of like, if you're weird, you're lonely. And if you're weird, you're not like lovable in a way. And you're just the quirky person off in the corner who's like, and I think what I appreciated about the Mark role was that, like, they gave him a girlfriend. They gave him a couple girlfriends. Like, Mark cleaned up at PCA yeah, yeah. for some reason that I don't, I can't quite put my finger on. But, like, and I think that really sort of resonated with a lot of people with, with regards to, like, hey, I felt like I was similarly not, you know, the traditionally, like, sociable person. And I felt like your character sort of, like, helped me remind myself that I am valuable and I am worthy of some sort of love in, in, you know, and that's, um, I'm, I'm big on parts that have universal messages that, that uplift the general. I'm all about, I, uh, wow. Brain fart. I'm all about elevation, Mike. That's my, that's my theme in life is just like, we're all, we're all figuring it out. So why, you know, I'm rambling now. I'm sorry. I got on my life philosophy. But yeah, anyway, yeah, people have asked me for pictures <laughs> before. <laughs> you still keep up with any of the uh, cast members? Yeah, I do. Um, we had like a dinner with Dan uh, a, like a year or so ago, which was a lot of fun. It was cool to see all of them. Uh, I had kept up with Victoria Justice because I had worked on uh, Victorious, which was her show. Um, so that was cool to sort of like be working in a different capacity as a, in the writer's room, um, while she was acting and doing her thing and singing. Um, yeah, I know, I know Aaron, uh, is like a yoga instruction instructor now. She's, she's, <laughs> uh, she's always trying to get us to do like an online yoga class, which is fun. Uh, she's like Im impossibly flexible. I don't know how she does it. She's like on her, but she's like, just, you know. Anyway, I digress. Uh, and Sean, I hung out with Sean probably the most because he uh, he sort of bounces around the country. But he lived in uh, the Hollywood Hills at one point with a family friend for a little bit. And we, I want to say we hung out probably like just about every day for like a good solid two, three year stretch while he was in town. And we did, uh, we tried to get a band started. And he is a much, much more gifted guitarist than I am. Uh, so he was he was very kind in like sort of uh, uh, you know helping helping uh, keep me up with with his rhythms and stuff like he was more the the lead uh, guitarist and I was more the rhythm and that was a lot of fun because he had the place he was staying was like one of the only places in Southern California that had a basement 
So we would just jam out. Like I brought my drum kit down there and we would just go to town. Um, and yeah, it was also like right at the border between North Hollywood where I lived and Hollywood where like all the cool stuff was happening. So like I'd usually just end up there by default when I didn't have something to do. And, uh, and yeah, we hung out for quite a bit. We did, um, at one point we were doing YouTube sketches, stuff like that. I got a, there, I think I might've moved them to the hidden part of my channel now. Cause I, I have like a YouTube channel with a cooking theme to it. Uh, so I didn't want to like distract from my, my, uh, <laughs> brand or whatever I'm trying to figure out for myself. But yeah, the, uh, we did a, we had a lot of fun, like casting, uh, uh these sketches that we were just writing ourselves we'd crack ourselves up with different sketch ideas we had one that was like everything was um it was like a take on you know a classic like movie or tv trope that you've seen a million times before like we had this one that was like you know the part where the computer the military computer becomes self-aware right and it was like uh 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 it just started becoming like different self things. It's like, sir, it's self-motivated, sir, it's self-conscious, sir, it's self blah, blah, blah. And like the, uh, we had one that was, uh, 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 that was pretty fun that we never got off the ground, <laughs> but the casting process for it was awesome. Where it was like basically the end of Die Hard, except everybody has a banana instead of a gun. And then the joke of it is like, are they, are they guns? They're treating them like they're guns. Are they? And then the end of it is like, oh, they're totally lethal. Like they are fully killing people with these bananas, uh, and that was hilarious because we did this. Uh, uh, shout out to Hollywood Casting and Film, who who did a lot of good for us. It's like this free service that is basically like an audition space where you can go and uh, hunker down for a couple hours and like cast as you want. And there's a million different resources online for like pulling headshots and getting people in. So um, they're only ask is that you like see some of their actors that they have like one an hour or something like that it's such a such a deal uh to like you know so we were basically just like playing producer we didn't you know we didn't have any money we were like doing we weren't making big blockbuster things but it was super cool because like we had written these things sean and i that um that people that were in this audition space were like they were hearing how much fun we were having in the room and would like come over and be like hey can do you have any parts for like my type? Can we audition for this? This looks fun. And um, that was really cool. Cause that was, that was like, you know, it was sort of playing, you know, back to my point about like <laughs> when you're a kid, you want to sort of mimic the adult behavior. We were sort of doing exactly what we saw as kids, but now we were taking the reins with it. And um, he had this awesome house that he was staying at. That was like, sort of got, it had this like, you know, it was built in like, I want to say the twenties or something like that. So it was sort of, had this haunted house vibe to it slash like it had a lot of nice rooms in it that could be used to do anything. So like it was, I mean, it was super cool. So we had a lot of fun doing that. And then, uh, yeah, whenever Matt Underwood is in town, I'll hang out with him. Um, and, uh, Paul butcher and I keep, keep threatening to, to do a, uh, to get either like a TikTok collab down or a, uh, uh, I've been writing a couple, uh, I have a lot of different projects script wise that I, that I always kind of keep him in mind for Cause I'm like, Oh snap. He's, he's an actor. He's, he's a young, handsome man. He's got talent. <laughs> so like, you know, I think, I think that was sort of the heart of what we were doing. Sean and I together was like, it's cool that we know all these people that have recognizable faces. Let's make our own stuff and like, see if they want to be part of it. And then that's, I feel like that's how, 
Like, I'll never understand how, like, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia crew got Danny DeVito to be... But that, like, totally launched it, right? And that's the thing. It's like, it just takes that one with, like, a solid script to, to really get it off the ground. So, um, so yeah, it was... Uh, Hung out with Sean probably more than anything, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go try to visit him at some point in the course of this road trip. So it'll be nice to see him. I know he's he's recently engaged, so that's very exciting. Congrats to him. So would you say that you're pro social media then? Because obviously, like, and I'll be honest, like I wouldn't consider myself much of a TikTok guy at all. Um, I did find yours funny though. I'll, I'll say that, but <laughs> I do digress now. But <laughs> would you say what else did you like about it <laughs> no they were definitely funny i mean i think you correct me if i'm wrong i think i don't know if you posted it on your page but it was definitely on your story about the um new jersey uh driving one which i could definitely resonate with that um it's oh! like god spot on but would you say <laughs> that uh you're a pro social media person Ah, it's a mixed bag for me. I, you know, my social media of choice is probably like Reddit to some degree. And then I dabble in TikTok, whatever. I'm like super bored. Um, I, I go back and forth on it and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be too much of a downer, but I do think that in a lot of ways it sort of derails people from like just living their lives and enjoying the moment and stuff like that. So I think overall, I think it's done a lot of good in terms of bringing people together. I think it's like hilarious that my parents and people of their generation took over Facebook and are like, it's exclusively like just that, that, you know, uh, 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 brand of client on there. Now I just see like, they'll send me memes from there that I've like seen on Reddit 10 years ago. And it's like, <sighs> Because it's like, oh, you're just catching up to the internet. That's adorable. Uh, but the, I, you know, I, I joke every now and again that like I think I think TikTok in a lot of ways is sort of like it's it drives people towards thought, right? It's like it's it's this it's crazy how accurate these algorithms that know. What, like, it was fine to me when it was just like, here's your soapbox, say your weird crap, post your picture of your dog, go for it. But now it's so much more than that. It's like, it's like, oh, we have data lakes of information on you, and we know that like, it's crazy what this thing knows about me. It's like, and I don't mean to sound like an old man, but it's like, it knows, like, that I didn't even know that I was into woodworking or something like that, and it'll push that stuff to me, or like, I, I, you know, um, I tend to sort of gravitate towards like the educational and, and wellness, mental wellness TikToks, which aren't the most popular. I'm trying to get like a like a writing advice column down because I feel like it's kind of want for that too. There's not a lot of like screenwriters on there and and novel writers and stuff like that. But I do think it's fascinating that it it like it drives people towards trends that they didn't even know that they wanted to do or or like in a lot of ways maybe they didn't like i i i find it fascinating that the the meme culture with regard to tiktok is just it's so fast it's it's like you make one video and then it becomes like seven other things and it's got this like you know the sound of it with the video and like that's 
left a lot open in terms of like, um, you know, I've seen a million different ways that any one sound can go, right? Like the, what was it? The one that was like popular for a minute that was like $19 Fortnite card, no more Fortnite. Like that is like, that was one video that one dude made about Fortnite that now means like, you can see a girl being like, oh, I'm dating a guy that I know is bad for me. And it's like, it's crazy how it's just widely applicable to so many things. But to that point, I, when I talk to my nephew, who's deep in it, he's, he's only like 12, right? But I don't think he knows what he's saying half the time when he says it. He's just like parroting words that he's heard. And it's like, oh, you sussy buckers, crap like that, you know? And it's like, do you even know what you're saying? Do you even know if what you're saying is true? Because he's like, oh, bucka means idiot in Japanese. And I'm like, do you know if that's the case? Like, do you know? Or uh, what was it? Again, I don't want to sound like a super old man, but like the the trend of like the this thing, right? With like the, the this there's no evidence online of what it leads back to. There's seven different theories that people have of like, oh, it means you got ice in your veins because this one basketball player did this this one time. Oh, it means like, oh, I'm ice cold. It means, oh, I did heroin and I feel really good. Oh, it means like, and you just sort of like, there's no there's no Webster's definition of TikTok themes, right? And it's, to me, it's it's crazy how like, how that can just lead to like, what are you, like, what are you thinking about? What are you, like, there's no, you're not taking any time anymore to sort of like sit with yourself and be like, how do I, like, I, this, bringing it back to the pandemic, I, um, like, meditation is a thing that I do whenever my brain goes too crazy and I need to sort of settle down, right? And that, like, to me is the art of zeroing out your mind and thinking about how your brain thinks and like sort of, exploring these like thought avenues that your brain goes down of like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I, my default is always like, I want to be a showrunner. I want to have a television show. What am I going to do to accomplish that today? And it's like, and it's crazy where my brain goes to like, uh, you know, Oh, I know this person who's a writer and like, Oh, they're so much further ahead than me. Or like that. And if I, you know, or then it'll be like, Oh, I'm worried about like my family's health. They're like, Oh, I'm this road trip that I'm on. What if we get in a car accident or something like that? You know, like I have so many fears that I like, that I just have like that overwhelm the like frontal part of my brain. And when I sort of let it sit and percolate and be like, why am I thinking that? That's silly. And also like, if something bad does happen, why am I wasting time worrying about it now? You know? So like I, and with that in mind, some mornings I would wake up and I'd just like, I'd have my phone next to me and I'd go straight to Reddit and I'd just be like, boom, what's going on in the world today? News. And it's crazy to me how like, I guess I'm just in their algorithm to some degree where they know that like, I, I will read an article about like some global catastrophe or some like, you know, national uh, uh, headbutting that's happening between two countries f far overseas or something like that. And then it like, it spirals me sometimes into this like panic of worry and like, Oh man, I'm scared now. Or like, I'm, you know, part, a big part of this road trip was like, I feel like, and I've seen it in a lot of people's parents, like CNN and Fox news. I don't want to get too political, but like both of those are very divisive. Right. And they like, they do this thing where like whatever aisle you're on, you'll just get pushed further and further towards one route or the other. And I, I like to subscribe to the philosophy that like people are in general good and are like want to be loved and want to like not be afraid and i think that we have a lot of of information that's especially being like 
thrust through social media that's telling you to like fear your fellow man and your fellow countrymen and like to be worried about this person because of their political beliefs or like and i i just think back to like before the internet was a thing and like we all had these opinions one way or the other we just didn't have a vehicle for it and now that there's that and there's all this um you know this like uh, uh visibility to that then it it sort of draws people to make conclusions and assumptions about people. Like I was in, <laughs> you know, I, I was in, uh, I was in Utah the other day and like, I could tell because, you know, I was like, I was like eyeing the gun section. Cause it was just fascinating to me as like a Californian. I'd never seen like assault rifles for sale at a sports store. Right. And I could tell that people were just like eyeballing me and we're just like, I don't like you because you're from California and you're asking too many questions or something like that, you know? And I'm just like, hi, I'm just, I'm just living my life. How are you doing? Like, I'm sorry. I troubled you by existing here. I'll go now. And like, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I think the, the social media of it can sometimes take that like white hot predisposition to fear or to assume or anything like that. And then it just like, that's what keeps people coming back right it's like it's it's a commodity after a certain point and it's like that's why that's why like you know i don't want to get too political again but that's why these like news outlets will show the stuff that's the most that's the you know most panic inducing based off a headline or like or something like that because it keeps people scared and present and i I've really wanted to use this. This is also part of why I'm doing this road trip right now is because like, I want to get out there and I want to see that like, it's not as scary as I'm being made to feel. And like, by and large, people are happy and, and, you know, ready to be your friend if you're not a total D bag to them. And like, it's, that's nice to know. Right. So I, um, yeah, I go back and forth. I know that was a very, very long answer to your question and I'm sorry <laughs> if you got to edit me for time, but yeah, I, um, I think it's a mixed bag and I think if you use it for like, I, I think personally for me, it's fun as like an online scrapbook or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's best. I like to use it for like, here's my photo journal of like where I went and my opinions on it. And then it's like a diary to some degree of like, and I think when you start posting stuff that's um, just intended for like captivating viewership and, and keeping people on your channel, that's when it kind of gets dicey because then you're like, then you're making decisions about how you're living your life based on what you think other people are going to want to see. So I, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really bad about social media. My, my wife always tries to remind me like, Oh, you should go live. You got to stay up in the algorithm and like, you got to post this thing. And, and, uh, I, uh, I, I, I like it, but it does get exhausting sometimes where it's like, it's crazy how much, how much work it takes. And, and, um, so yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could uh, top that in my response, but that that'll uh, that'll pose me to uh, one final question though. Since I don't know how aware you are, Paramount Plus is like a uh, pretty huge, you know, thing that's kind of taken over in the last year with this like they call it like a mountain of entertainment. Um, they're like getting very nostalgic with um, you know kind of rebooting and like bringing all these spin-off shows. I Carly. Um, I think either is very shortly coming with their mm -hmm. reboot or already has, um, which, I mean, this is a totally different discussion, but I'm not going to pose the question. Do you see yourself fitting into a potential Zoe 101, uh, you know, reboot at all? Or? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I knew, I knew something like that was coming down the pipeline. <laughs> I knew we had to talk about it. 
and it's interesting to me. I'm actually glad that this interview is happening after the the deadline article about uh, iCarly getting the reboot because it did sort of get my mind going on it. Um, me personally, I, I'll wait for an invitation to be extended. I'm not gonna, you know, be breaking down the door for uh, anything like that. I I um, I would prefer my involvement to like, I, I think I've sort of left that part of my life in the earlier chapters of my history. And I'd sort of like to move on to the writing and directing and like show creation and, and, you know, deciding portion of my life, if you will, because as an actor, you do get some decision making capability, but it's by and large, you know, all scripted for you. And um, yeah, I, I, I find the iCarly thing fascinating because to me, I've always thought that, you know, I have a very, like, I have a very crystal clear memory of, uh, it was the episode where we were shooting the, um, there's a scene where I'm driving Chris Massey's car and I like crash into Stacey Dilson at the end of the the episode. And I, uh, uh, but I remember like in the moments around that scene when we were shooting, like Sean had just gotten an iPhone and like one, he was talking with one of the head writers about it. He's like, Oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Right. I just got this iPhone and it's like a computer in my pocket. And that to me is like, I think that is why iCarly got the reboot first, if you will. Cause it's like, it came at a time that was when that was just, that was the inflection point. It was hitting that mark as, social media and all sorts of stuff was on the rise and like visibility of your product online and like putting your characters from the show, your actors online in, in with accounts that like, cause that's what social media, the other appeal of it is too, right. Is like the flattening of the gap between celebrity and common person, if you will, everybody's unique. No one's common. Okay. Everyone's unique and special in their own way. Uh, but, you know, to a degree, it has made that. So I think I think that, like, the iCarly of it is probably getting its reboot now because because executives are seeing that there is this, like, this, this. It was probably one of the first shows on Nickelodeon that had that, like, online presence to it, right? And that's why I think it's seeing success um, in terms of, you know, eyes on it. Um, I have, I, I was curious about sort of where it was going to go, though, because, you know, everybody who was reaching out to me on online was saying like, Oh, get Nickelodeon petition Nickelodeon to do a reboot of Zoe 101. And to me, you know, that's, it's interesting that Paramount plus is what picked it up because like Nickelodeon is, and always will be aimed at children. And like, you know, they, they want to watch a Zoe 101 reboot as much as I want to watch, you know, a happy days reboot or something like that. So like, I, I, uh, they want something new and colorful and whatever their, their thing is going to be, not like what your parents' thing was. So, um, it's fascinating to me. I don't really know where the rights to it land. Like, I'm assuming that Dan Schneider has some stake in it. I'm assuming Viacom slash Nickelodeon has some stake in it. I'm assuming they just sold those rights, uh, because I don't know if he's attached to it or not. But the, um, you know, so it's like there, there, it seemed like there were a lot of hurdles in the way of, a Zoe 101 reboot on Nickelodeon because because um, yeah so I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out because um, I I'm a little I feel like the Friends reboot probably should have been the one that was gonna be like oh this is gonna be the one that's gonna like smash it out of the park and like and I feel like that one's been getting mixed reception uh, you know all apologies to Jennifer Aniston 
She's doing fine. Uh, but like, I, you know, I think to me, I here's here's my bare bones opinion on it. If we're being real, if I'm being super honest with you, uh, reboots have a way of reminding me of my mortality in a way that like I feel like television shouldn't. Uh, I saw. I remember I saw once. It was like I watched Flight of the Concords uh, on HBO when I was younger, and I thought it was hilarious. And then they did this like. Um, Mm-mm. not a reboot but it was like a one-off show where they were like oh we're the flight of the concords again we're doing this and here we are and here's our songs we all have our own careers now but like we're coming back to this and they the the beating heart of like most of their jokes was oh we're a bit older now i'm sorry <laughs> and that's like hilarious but it's also like oh i just sort of want to like live in my perfect little place in my mind of like where they were when i watched it you know and and I do think that Zoe and and these like kids shows they live in a in a very specific nostalgic part of the brain. And I think that overall you want it to stay there, right? But then also you're gonna get like frustrated when the actors are older or maybe they're not like living up to your uh, uh, adult acting, you know, bar that you've hit for yourself now that you've like you know. So I and I think. Um, I think in a lot of ways it's sort of, you know, it's that old adage of like you can never go home again, right? It's like you got to just find a new home and and sort of like realize that your memories are made with the people that you surround yourself with and not necessarily any one like place in time. So I I um to that end probably probably no <laughs> is my answer to what I want to be uh, involved in a reboot. It could be fun. But I, uh, I, I think, you know, I've, I've sort of set my sights on, I'm a dramatic writer now. I have like, a, I have a novel that I've been working on. I've got uh, a, a number of screenplays that I've been shopping around. And um, I, you know, I think my, my, like my favorite shows have always been dark crime dramas. And to me, this is sort of my like time to sort of decide who am I and what do I want to be? And, you know, being true to that like pandemic reflection um yeah i definitely think that it would be fun like if if it may be like in a like facetime capacity like hey mark del figolo is he's here he's doing something in iowa what's up with that but i don't know i just activated my siri okay anyway but yeah i uh um i've thought about it quite a bit and i i think um i think i kind of want to let mark live you know what is it it's like uh uh Oh God, there's some phrase I forget what it is, but it's like uh, something about like you know you live not not you live long enough to be a villain or hero or whatever you know, <laughs> that, but like the you know the, gross, the, gross. legends legends never, never. booyah there you go thank you Mike <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's uh, that is exactly it and I think um, I think. I have a couple pitches for like a, a different way that the that the Zoe 101 reunion could happen. I would say either like you get the same crew together because you love the chemistry, right? And then you do like a whole other show. And I've had I've had some pitches percolate in my brain of like, okay, it's gonna be fan service. So you gotta like, what are you gonna do with that? You gotta like, you gotta like open on like, uh, 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 Chase and Zoe in bed together, and like they're adults and they're like. Okay, so we hit that. Okay, the romantic element is ready to go. And then, like, you got, like, Paul, who's, like, who's like the the hot kid across the street who's, like, mowing his lawn now or something. You got, like, 
I was going to pitch that Matt should be like Paul's dad, who should be like constantly in competition with him for like who has the sexier arms now. <laughs> Just, I don't know. You go, you can, there's so many places to go with it. Or, or my plan B was you fully reboot it. You get like everything down to the visual look of it. Um, and you have all the cast come back and play their original parts, but nobody acknowledges that we're all older. Like you all just are like in high school and you're like, Logan sees the hottest guy in class. And then like you fully just lean into like that of it. That's my, that's my second pitch for it. Um, I'm happy to discuss further off channel. If you want to chat any of these out, we can get the script going, but (laughs) No, I, I, I definitely do appreciate, uh, you know, you taking the time to do this with me today. Um, you know, I, we've been chipping at this for a while, at least I have, and uh, we were finally able to make this happen. I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you uh, giving me your time today. I had a fun time chatting with you. I hope uh, you had fun, too. I did. I did. This was, this was a great time. Thanks for your persistence, and uh, sorry I was not so responsive on the DMs, but uh, I'm glad we can make it work because this was cool, and I think uh, I think you got a great show here, and I like what you're doing. Keep it up, my friend. Thank you. I'll uh, be sure to let you know when it's out as well. Please do. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You as well.